It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Hey everybody, welcome back. Yes, it's time for another edition of Silver and Black Today here on this Tuesday. We hope you're still enjoying Victory Monday. And as we head into the show today, I just want to uh, give a call out. Of course, yesterday, the anniversary of September 11, 2001. And you can see if you're watching us on video, we have a little graphic in the right corner replacing our normal silver and black today. I just want to remember everyone um, uh, who we lost on 9-11-2001 and uh, the families who were left to pick up the pieces and still do to this day, the sacrifice that they made uh, on that day, we will not forget here on Silver and Black today. And, and of course, um, I'm your host, Scott Colbrantz, and I bring in my partner, Mo Moten, who lives in New York City. And Mo, 9-11 forever changed the city, forever changed anybody who lived there. And uh, I know for you, too, you were, you were uh, a wee bit younger back then, so you went through it as a kid. Um, talk to us a little bit about your memories and uh, what it's like on, on that day in New York now when people remember? It's a day that I won't forget because someone, I don't want to put all her business out there, but my aunt had someone who was actually in the tower mm. and lost. she actually lost someone in that. So I remember that day just kind of, um, I was 15 years old, so I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, I just started the 10th grade. I'm a sophomore at John Dewey High School. I'm in Coney Island. And... You know, if you're familiar with New York City, the landscape of it, Coney Island is south, south Brooklyn. And we could see the smoke from the school window from south, south Brooklyn Mm. to to Manhattan. And I just remember at the time, not everyone had a cell phone. I had a cell phone, but it was like one of those old cinder block looking cell phones. So kids that didn't have a cell phone, they're rushing to the first floor to call to the lobby to call their parents, to call whoever to come pick them up. Everyone was just kind of frantic. And just not knowing what was going on. And then to come home and my aunt going through what she was going through was kind of a double whammy because it's one thing to kind of be distant from it and just know something terrible is going on. And then to come home and realize that someone, you know, the person that I became acquainted with, you know, was in the tower and we're trying to figure out where he is or if he made it or not. Turns out he didn't. So it it was a tough time in my household. But it, it was just, you know, people, I know there are some people out there saying, well, it happened so long ago. It's when you when you have an experience like that and it's so close to home, and especially if you lose someone in an experience like that, you just never forget it. Yeah, you never forget, nor should we. And and, and that's the thing. It's just like anybody in your life, uh, a, a, a loved one, when you lose them, it, that never goes away. It's never over time, does it get a le- it gets easier to deal with, but you're still going to deal with it the rest of your life. And 
for all those families affected. I mean, I was there, and I know, yes, we're going to get to Raider football here in a second, but it's important to remember this. Uh, I was in New York just a, a month after, right? Everything closed down. Finally, things open up. I actually went for on a business trip. We were staying in Midtown uh, at the Marriott Marquis, which was a base of operations for a lot of rescue workers. So every time, you know, going to the lobby, you didn't know what to expect. Of course, it was a scary, weird time to fly, especially across country at that time. And you get in and there's just, you know, there's dirt in the lobby. Now you go into a New York City hotel in midtown Manhattan, they're always spick and span, perfectly clean. But these people were coming in working, working 14, 16 hour days. And um, so they just, you know, went with it. So we went there, ended up, I ended up, was fortunate enough at the time to go to the World Series. Uh, the World Series had resumed. The Diamondbacks were in playing the Yankees. I was there, the, the game that George Bush, the president, flew in and threw the first pitch. And behind us, though, you know, you one of those moments that really hit me like a brick, Mo, was we were there. I was there with some colleagues, and we were out in the bleachers at old Yankee Stadium. And um, we're sitting there, and behind us is a woman and two boys and a couple other adults. And and all of a sudden, you know, the game starts, and everybody was emotional, obviously, with the president throwing out the first pitch, and everything was, was so fresh. And then... Um, we were sitting there and all of a sudden I hear the conversation and the, the woman behind us with the two boys, her, her husband was a firefighter and he was lost. They didn't know her at that time they had finally given in. They just figured out that he had not made it. And so it hit home for you. You know, you're at this baseball game and you're at the world series and that's cool and all that, but it was surrounding you, everybody around you in New York at that time. And everybody in the country was impacted by it. Cause also you had the Pentagon, of course, Shanksville, Pennsylvania, so mm-hmm. we just wanted to start off the show and remember, remember that. And I know all of you that remember, if you're too young to remember it, um, it's okay. Learn about it and make sure you uh, give appreciation for all those who sacrificed on that day. Okay, we're going to get into football now. We're going to talk about the Raiders. Oh my gosh, Mo, a victory Monday yesterday. The Raiders win their opening game on the road, 17-16 against the Broncos. Uh, I know you had your Bleacher Report live show after the game, uh, which I peeked in on right before we started our show. And um, much like the chat on our YouTube channel, there was a, a lot of folks not very happy. And and I get it to, I guess, to a certain degree, it was an uneven performance at best, right? There was, it was not, I think Josh McDaniel said, hey, it wasn't a masterpiece. And that cer- certainly is true. But for a team in transition, for a team on the road in its first big test with a brand new roster, in essence, uh, they showed some mental toughness, which I thought we did not see a lot of last year. And so I think you got to start there. But I want to get your top line observations on Raiders performance overall and what it meant for them to win a game like that on the road with this new roster. The way I look at this, and someone said this in the Bleach Report live stream, it felt like that was the game that they would have lost last year. Mm. And I don't want to lay that on the shoulders of the previous quarterback. No. I know I did mention it during my live on Sunday. But if you look at those last possessions that the Raiders had, Jimmy G throws an interception in the red zone. He said, I, re- I remember watching the broadcast. He goes over to the, to the sideline, kind of pounds on his chest to say that was my fault goes back out there in the final position drives the drives the field down uh drives down the field throws the touchdown pass right 
Then to ice the game, he has an eight yard scramble for a first down. <laughs> now, to me, that those are two, those are that's winning football. Now, remember, I balked back at the people who said, Oh, Jimmy G's a winner. Well, he proved me wrong for at least the first week that he can do it without a an elite defense. Because I said Jimmy G is going to be a different quarterback than he was in San Francisco because he doesn't have that elite defense with him. But in a close game, he was the closer because the defense had its hiccups, right? What I know they only the Raiders only gave up sixteen points. It was you know some missed kicks in there, but if you look at Jimmy G's performance and you look at what he did in his last few drives, it really points to him being a winning football player. There are football players out there who put up great stats. It looks good in the box score. And there are guys who just make winning football plays. And that's what he did on Sunday. So that was my main takeaway from it. Of course, there are a lot of nuts and bolts that we'll go through today and through the week about, you know, the, the, the crux of the win and how it unfolded. But I think it was a game. If I would sum it up, th- that was a game that they would have lost last year that they won this year. And I think that that's a, that's a reason for optimism. It's a great point, and I think that you're you're you have been very vocal about. Hey, Jimmy G was a winning quarterback, absolutely in San Francisco, but man, did he have a good cast around him, and 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 that was fine. That's not disparaging him. That's not putting him down. It's pointing out the obvious because the Raiders do not. I mean, you saw what the 49ers did on the road in Pittsburgh on Sunday. That's a good defense, man. That is the best defense in the NFL, in my view. Now, I guess some people would argue Philly. I know you Eagle fans out there, if you're watching, we have a few that watch us, um, are going to disagree with me and think the Eagles are. But I will tell you <laughs> that I, I agree with you. I think that's the difference you see here is you see a team that when the chips are down um, last year, I think things just didn't. Now, maybe maybe that was partly quarterback, not all his fault. Maybe it was partly attitude. Maybe it was partly buy-in from the entire roster. I think that more than than any single player, it's the culture and the buy-in. We've been talking about that. I'm not saying this team's going to win 11 games, folks. I'm just saying they buy in. And if they win together, they win together. If they lose together, they're going to lose together. That's a big deal when you're trying to build a roster and build a championship caliber franchise over time. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And I just quick point, I don't I want to make this clear. When I say this like that's a game the Raiders were lost last year, I don't I'm not putting that all on Derek Carr. I'll say his name. I'm not putting that <laughs> on Derek Carr I'm saying if Derek Carr was a quarterback, because of him they would have lost that game. What I'm saying is last year, as you kind of alluded to, was it seemed as though when the things went sour for the Raiders offense, it just never they just never able to come back from it. This on Sunday, as I said, Jimmy Garoppolo makes a critical error throwing that throwing that ball in the in the in the, in the uh, end zone when he should have just thrown it away, threw it into coverage, and he paid for it with a turnover. But to come back on the field, lead a touchdown drive, and then to to get that first down to ice the game, to me, it, it more than made up for it because the Raiders come away with the win because of it. And Mo, I mean, look, it was it was it was an ill advised pass 
on what was designed as a really nice play. And if, if Jimmy G looks in the center of the end zone, guess who's standing there? Devontae Adams wide open. Okay. So, so he, he just read it. He just read it wrong. He went to the wrong side. Uh, the play was designed and people were criticizing Josh McDaniels. And we'll get into that a little bit later saying that he didn't call a good game. Now there was a couple calls, but every game there's a couple calls where you're like, Ooh, why are you doing that? That happens in every NFL game. It really does. But in that particular play, they finally, I don't know why they didn't do it earlier because Patrick Sertain was, was Sertan was, was guard was uh, covering, excuse me, Devontae Adams. They finally lo- line up Adams in the slot. So he's lined up one-on-one uh, against another defensive back, against the safety. So guess what happens? He's wide open, and Jimmy he just misses him. But again, that happens. See, to me, that's what I take away from this game is this team is not going to be perfect, but what I don't know is you're not going to ever have a team, especially one that's rebuilding, who's going to have four perfect quarters. The Raiders were uneven on defense. Defense was even at times poor in the first half, okay? Letting Russell Wilson have time. They didn't get a lot of pressure. Coverage, of course, we had Ja'Korian Bennett get beat on that long ball and the penalty at that point on on Marcus Peters. All that stuff happened, but guess what? In the last few minutes of the game, when they had to make a stop on third down and hold Denver to a field goal, what did they do? So save me... The sanctimonious crap about this defense isn't good enough. When they had to do it, Mo, they did it, and that's actually what counts. You can only beat the team that's in front of you. You know, we're yeah. worried about Buffalo later in the week, but they were able to beat Denver in Denver, and I think that's a big deal because a lot of people expect Russell Wilson to be better under a Super Bowl winning head coach in Sean Payton. Both teams had ample time to prepare for each other, so a lot of a lot of times, with the exception of a few games. Most of the divisional games are going to be pretty close. Like I said, Seattle didn't get the memo on that with the Rams. But <laughs> most of these divisional games, e- I mean, even the Colts and the Jaguars were close. I know the score says 31-21, but that game was tight until the oh, end. Yeah, And that's a, that's a close team that's also rebuilding. So um, I, I got to give credit to the Raiders um, for their win. Both sides of the ball came up at certain points. I understand the defense isn't isn't, you know, up to par for some people. But as you as you pointed out, when, when they needed to stop, I think it was Divine Diablo who leaped in and knocked the ball away yes, I'm uh, in down. the end zone. So yeah. that you know, there there there's something there. How good is the defense? We'll see as the season goes on. I still want the Raiders to get a linebacker. We'll see if they, they they've been almost defiant that they're not gonna go out and get one. But um as far as Jacory and Bennett. A lot of people came in the, my live stream and was saying they're worried about Jacorian Bennett. And I'll say this, and I'm not making excuses for Jacorian because I like him. But as a rookie cornerback, getting your first taste of NFL action in the regular season, I'm not expecting him to look like Chant Bailey out there. You know, <laughs> I know he what? made some mistakes and 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 let go of a long ball, but I'm not going to hit the panic button yet. I, I I would have to see him for a few games before I say, okay, he's not ready to start. Get someone else in there. So. Not panicking. Raiders made enough plays. They get the W, 17-16. That's what matters. And, by the way, and we'll get a little more into some some specific player um, performances, but I'll tell you what. Ja'Korian Bennett, people are always going to be talking about this guy in Campic. He's so great. He got burned. Let me tell you. Some of the greatest DBs ever played. They can get burned all the time, too. It happens. And, number, and to your point about being a rookie, 
I just like the fact, and Murph and I talked about this on the postgame show, I like the fact that the Raiders finally have a physical defensive back. Okay? If he gets some some PI calls this season because he's playing tight coverage and he gets a little handsy, I'm okay with that. Because guess what? Eventually he'll learn how to manage that well enough where he's not getting caught doing it. He does it just enough to impact the coverage without getting a penalty. And that's a good thing. That shows the kid is is on he's got the brain to do the job and he's got that physical nature. They just have not had that in the Raider defensive backfield. It's nice to see it. He's going to be just fine. Stop picking on Tyree Wilson being too slow. Yes, he was slow at times. He also showed a couple flashes here and there. But if you listen to this show, Mo and Scott have been saying for three months, it's going to take them three, four, maybe even five games to get up to speed. So I think he's right. But we'll talk about him when we come back, Mo. You want to say something before we go to break? No. We'll, no? we'll get him on the other side because there's a lot sure? to talk about with Tyree Wilson. Yeah, I'm sure. Because <laughs> there's a lot to unpack with Tyree Wilson. There is a lot. And we'll get to that. Uh, coming up here after the break. You're with Mo and Scott. This is Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Oh, I forgot to remind you, if you don't already subscribe, make sure you do wherever you get your audio. Thanks to the audience on YouTube for watching and for subscribing. And also, when we come back from the break, I want to give a shout out to a great fan of ours uh, out on the East Coast. So we'll get to that when we come back. This is Silver and Black today. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> 